Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We are pleased to have you with us. And Todd and I re are recording this on the Independence Day holiday in the U.S. So happy July 4th, yep. everyone. But for you yep. listening, it will be on happy back to work day the next day. Yes, Sorry well, about that. Yeah. <laughs> Joining you on a commute. But but here's the thing. We're recording early enough in the day on purpose that, that you're not hearing explosions in the background because it dawned on us that we did oh, this true. too late. All yeah. we're going to hear is it's going to be like, are you in a war zone? What's going on there? So <laughs> true. And then in my case, it would sound like a war zone with a dog barking because my oh, dog good. is one of those dogs that hears those explosions and runs around the house barking because she's convinced something terrible is happening. Forever set so, in stone yeah. and digitally captured on audio for the rest of time. Exactly. So that would be awesome exactly. yeah no welcome we're happy to Same have you with us and uh we've got car debates which entirely compromise the updates to the volkswagen scandal and the reason is, yeah. is because the buybacks yeah. have been announced people are yep. getting their money they know how much they're getting and they're seemingly want wanting to get out and that seems to be yeah, kind of the case definitely. across the board so if you do have a vw this podcast is for you if you do have the one of the tdi the diesels affected by dieselgate and we're well, going to talk about two people who want to get out of their cars and try to get into some, something else, use the money, and kind of move on. I mean, we are. We, we, we've gotten, I think, in the last week since the official announcement came out, we've gotten either six or eight of you have written in mm -hmm. and asked variations of this same question. So we wanted to put a couple together and just run through that. And, and you know, there's a lot of information out there. I'm not going to claim that we are the source of that information. Uh, dig around to find out what you're getting. I mean, there's there's fixes available. There's buybacks available. There's buybacks and we're sorry cash available. I read one stat that said you can almost get back like 130% of your cars, what your car's worth. Yeah, I mean, kind of depending. This is is definitely this is definitely a deal but Volkswagen is hoping to keep you so we're going to talk to people that are getting out of these cars I think that's an interesting uh, thing to at least, at least touch on for a bit yeah I've got one choice for each debate and one is well done. to stick with Volkswagen as a company and the other mm. thought is to get away completely and it's only because huh. of the situation because of people's requirements one of sure. them uh, JP really sounds more like actually kind of European requirements out of his family mm, and car mm. and kind of the things that he needs. And then we yeah. also have Mark S and does not have kids and dog and all that stuff looking for something more professional, you know, still keeping yeah. with kind of, you know, a higher end choice, but what can he get? How can he get out of mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. I don't know that JP, no, he did. He gave us a budget of around 20,000, but we'll yep. see what we can do to blow that up and, uh, you know, start in with the fireworks early. So uh... to, to, to ignore that entirely. But, you <laughs> no. know, speaking of, of fireworks and random things happening, I was reading the news earlier today. Again, they we're recording this on a Monday. Yeah. And, and so the last episode of the new Top Gear, they only did six episodes this season. The last episode just aired in England about 24 hours, 48 hours before we're recording this. So they've wrapped up their new season. That was an awfully short season, but there it is. So they've wrapped that up. And then, of course, Chris Evans has come out and announced officially that he is stepping down and stepping away from the show. So that was some big news that dropped today. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were there were rumors about something was going on. They brought in a new producer that was that she's known to be not only very good but very strict. 
Uh, there were a lot of people, you know, rumors flying around that Matt LeBlanc didn't want Chris Evans around. Come on, these were British tabloids. Maybe that's right. Maybe it's hearsay. But none of that uh, speculation matters now. He has officially said he's walking away. I thought it was funny how all of his tweets have, a, have an air of, here's how awesome I am about him. I hate to say that, but they just read that way. Maybe that's not how he intends. But he says, oh, I'm stepping away. I tried my best, but it's not good enough. And then his next tweet is, here's all the other stuff I'm still doing. <laughs> like, well, come on, man. But anyway, yeah. So I, I, yeah, uh... so he's he's gone, and I think that's really interesting for the show. And I'm curious to hear from you about. I, I, I've only seen five of the six episodes. I haven't seen the latest one, but I, I've seen five of the six, and I'm very hur- curious to hear from you, Paul. Your thoughts on what next season should be, host wise, based on their their lineup. Well, uh, excellent thoughts. Excellent question. Uh, I uh, it seems like. Whenever some scandal happens, the news media dredges up everything else that they can try to relate to that person because Possibly you know, now yep. we're seeing that you know police are confirming some 1990s sex assault investigation on Chris, too. We don't know if that's true or if it is affecting his decision. So for right now, we will just stick with what we know. The, yeah. the people weren't getting along, and the show was dropping in ratings, and everybody wants him out. So, okay, I'm thinking about breaking this down in two areas. And the first of all is on Chris. And we're reading that he didn't get along with Matt LeBlanc. He didn't, you know, really get along with the producers, the the BBC in general. And people were saying he's got this controlling nature. He's got a temper, kind of alienating various people. Okay. And on one hand, I think, you know, if you're starting your own show, if you're the driving force behind it, it's kind of your mm-hmm. baby even though now all these people are working on it if this is instigated by you you have a little bit of a right to say look this is how i envision things i'm the visionary sure. i'm putting my you know the way i see this so if there's friction fine sometimes friction can be a good thing to get results so i'll just it put that be. out there sometimes yeah sometimes yeah. on the other hand he's coming into a show that is you know, long-running show, beloved mm-hmm. by people, millions, tens, hundreds yeah. of millions yeah, of people yeah. worldwide who know the show, and he's coming in as a replacement, already established, and mm-hmm. you're the guy to fill big shoes. So what right do you have to start throwing your weight around, even though you are a yeah. well-known interesting question. and yeah. interestingly, you know, interesting, well-liked, and long-time BBC radio show host, great. Yeah. But you're coming in and kind of not getting along with people and trying to put your own spin on things. Uh, it, yeah. In the real world, it's, it's harder. You need to get along with people. <laughs> That's the really the best way to do it. Well, you know, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the thing is, if I, look, I'm not excusing the fact that I've never really heard nice things about Jeremy Clarkson as a person. Sure. But clearly, sure. he and Andy Willman, as much controversy as they created, they were the creative driving forces that made UK Top Gear what it is. True. So true. That is, and it kind of speaks to what you're saying. If Chris Evans had been that guy, if he had been this guy that had created something greater than itself because of the inspiration or whatever you want to call it, uh, the force of personality. You you can, as much as it's tacky, you can get away with more. And he is stepping in as a hired gun, a hired gun with pedigree, a, a true, known true. name, but a hired gun. And so that's hard. But what I what I really think is fascinating here is, as I watch this season, they have their show. The mm-hmm. stuff that Rory mm-hmm. Reed did, the yeah. stuff that Chris Harris did, and the stuff that Matt LeBlanc did, that feels like Top Gear. 
the yeah. Rory Reed Model X piece, the any of the Chris Harris pieces because he's just solid across the board. Anyway, the Ariel uh, Nomad piece was good from Matt LeBlanc, but the Rolls Royce Ghost piece was dead on. Totally, I, completely. When agree. I watched those pieces, yeah. I just thought, "There's Top Gear right there." As, well, as weird yeah. as Matt LeBlanc seemed for an initial host choice, he's your new lead guy. And you, you back him up with Chris Harris and Rory Reed, and you're you're done. I, I read some poll online. It's like, who should they add? I was like, add. Stop adding. Yeah. Adding's not helping. Be, you're good. You're good. Done. Go. Well, you're exactly touching on the second part of my thoughts here, and that is about the BBC. Now, the BBC rebooted the show without changing anything because they've got mm -hmm. the recipe already. They just needed new hosts. So therefore, Chris Evans and yeah. all the rest of them are not coming in as creators, as you said, Andy Wilman and Jeremy Clarkson were. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. coming in as yeah. the cake is already baked. We've already got the recipe. We know how it works. So does mm -hmm. the public. We've trained our audience and everybody to expect sure. this. Sure. So therefore, not only should you not, you know, throw your weight around and kind of throw sharp elbows into people, they've already got a, <laughs> a proven recipe. So therefore... Yeah. The three guys that are slotting in the most easily are, as you said, Matt, Chris, and Rory. Yeah. They have slotted they're doing in. Great they're work. the most affable. Yeah. They're doing great work. They're fitting in more closely with mm -hmm. the show. So I, I kind of am placing 50% of blame on both. Chris, yeah, if it's your new show, push for the, the new creativity. You know, Throw your weight around and make the show how you envision it. It's not sure. your show. BBC, it is your show, but kind of shame on you for trying to fit a round peg in a, into a square hole or you know mm -hmm. what I mean and not yeah. changing well, the show to be more creative to fit your new host that you've chosen yeah, so if, if I, they were going to change it more forth. I could see that yeah if well I mean you and I debated that on this first episode right when right. if they had changed the show more I think we would have I mean it would have taken time which the BBC is more prone to do than US networks but if they changed the show more, I, would, I think you could have allowed the show to kind of drift and find its way. Since they didn't change it much, then who best fits the format? And I think they found those guys, which is cool and makes me excited about next season. I mean, when one of those three guys, Rory, Matt LeBlanc, or Chris Harris, did a piece this season, I just went, that just felt awesome. That just felt right. Yeah, entirely watchable. So I, yeah. It felt like they're back with I hope for that more. trio. We don't need yeah. to add, as you said. Stop adding. Stop thinking. Just, we're done. Yeah. We, you've done it. Yeah. You actually... Read, you know, you got three good guys that fit yeah. the bill, and we like it. And go and with that. stop and stop looking for. And I, and I would like to think that with those three guys, the expectations might be lower. But I would also say stop looking for ratings that the old guys had. That was a phenomenon sure, even right. beyond their creation. So I, I think you could have a nice long running show with those three guys, and the enthusiast world would like it. Not that the enthusiast world is what they're, they're developing it for, but let's be honest, we do care. So. Anyway, I feel like we beat that to death, but <laughs> I, I'm intrigued by this. I, I feel like it's a good development, but we'll see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to seeing more, and uh, I hope we don't see any more news other than that, you know, hey, everybody was right. Just stay with those three guys. We're doing more. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like you to tell everybody a little bit of update about your FRS because you had some developments. Oh. You got your car back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted yeah, you yeah. to touch on that before we jump into the debates because... I think yeah, it was point. interesting. The outcome was uh, a little bit on well, the unexpected side, maybe? It was It was a little bit on the unexpected slash uh, frustrating side, but yeah. I feel like there's a good, there's a good uh, thing here, and that is I'm not – my personality, I'm not the guy that comes in – you were talking about sharp elbows earlier. I'm not the guy that comes in to anybody that's doing work for me and just, you know – 
points my finger at the desk and demands things and gets all up in people's faces. I'm not that guy. I don't like being that guy. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, come on. I am paying attention. I'm fairly intelligent, and I have a memory. So, you know, I'm not. You're not going to just go. No, it's not what happened, man. I'm. I, I don't hey, fall for man. that. So, exactly. So I took this car back in. As you may remember, uh, about eight months ago, I had uh, the gas filler was the, the the fill was so slow. It was like straw amounts would would kick back. And so they discovered. I took it in and I said, "Look, the Loopy, only thing bendy I've... straw amounts. <laughs> exactly, crazy straw amounts, and it kicks back. So anyway." I took the car in and told them that the only thing I had discovered in digging into this a little bit is that the very early Scion FRS, first probably six months or so, and I'm not, I don't have confirmation, but I think for a few reasons that mine might have been one of those first 86 cars in the country, but the very first six months of the car had had some issues where the fuel filler line from the cap to the tank had corroded due to the small amount of ethanol. Now, I'm not running E85. I'm running normal 91 octane. But due to the small amount of ethanol that is in just U.S. gasoline in general had been corroding that filler line. And I told him that story when I took the, the car. And it was still under warranty at the time. I had that certified pre-owned. And told him that that was something I had heard about. And he looked at me kind of like, never heard of that, but okay. So they started checking the car out. And they said, no, your fuel filler line is actually fine. Your problem is the pressure release valve on the gas tank right, has, right. has locked. So we got to take the whole tank out. And in the FRS, you got to drop the back end. Let's give you a new tank. That Which was is still free. surprising Great. to awesome. me. That's just really? Yeah, totally agree. So, uh, but they were right because as soon as I got the car back, it, it 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 sounds ridiculous. But you're now standing at the gas station feeling like you've got a luxury lifestyle because you put the gas uh, hose in there. <laughs> Man, and has you, my ship come in? I can fill my car exactly. with gas fast. I could just, I could just, you know, I could pull the trigger and lock it off and walk away. What, what, what's this crazy world? So anyway, so it was like that. But then, but honestly, in the last probably month, maybe six weeks, it went from it was okay to as bad or worse than it was before. And I went, okay, seriously. This is ridiculous. Called back up Mark Miller Toyota here in Salt Lake and said, here's what's up. And he, my, my service guy there said the same thing. He said, how is that possible? You've got to be kidding me. He was appalled. So they pull it in and they check it. And <clears throat> guess, guess what they told me, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, yeah, your gas tank's fine, but your fuel filler line from the gas cap to the tank, that seems to have corroded on the inside. We're not exactly sure why, but we think it may be an additive in gasoline. When I got done slapping myself in the forehead, you I wanted promptly, to give him a prize. We don't give out prizes too often on the show. But I, when we I do, promptly I promptly responded and I said, "Okay, I I hate to walk you through this because you have lots <laughs> of customers and you're a nice guy, but this is exactly what I told you was a known issue on this car when I brought it in the last time." And I and I also decided to kind of be a jerk. I sent him the link to the podcast where we talked about it the first time because I talked about that being an issue on that podcast when I put the car in the first time. Because I was like, I, I know I'm not making up the fact that a, I talked about this. It wasn't this, being a jerk. That was more just of a, you know, a love tap, more of a poke. But it was I was you know. just putting my stake in the ground and going, I know we talked about this. So he he initially was like, yeah, this is this fuel filler line with the with the labor and all is is a 700 and almost $750 fix. And I said, I look, I know I'm now out of warranty. I am. I'm four or 6,000 miles out of warranty. I know I am. But you've got to be kidding me. Jeez. And he you know, looked at this whole discussion, and we talked about it. And he's, he's a good guy, and he tries to do right by me. He said, all right, how do, we, how do we solve this? How do we solve this? So we settled on I paid 300 which You look, did? It's, okay. It's 300, it's 300 more than I wanted to, but he took, more, he took more than half of it. 
Okay. So I have a brand new gas tank and a brand new fuel filter line, and it cost me $300. And a life of luxury right. with how fast you can fill your gas tank. <laughs> you you have Man. no idea. Here, here's the difference, Paul. Here's how crazy it was. Before I took it in, I actually was at a gas island, gas pump island, and four cars cycled through the other side of the island in the time it took me to fill once. Were you just I'm saying, not kidding. Yeah, I took out my back seats and put a big tank back there. I'm, I'm still seriously. Back there. I'm going to drive cross country and never fill again. That's why I'm standing here. I've got I've got four tanks. People in this. Are looking it's me, strangely like it's me and a thousand gallons of gasoline. Really? It's going to be awesome. No. So anyway, so 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 that's how long it took. So the first time I went to get gas after getting it back, it was it was like a luxury experience for me. It's like look at that. It's just working. It's, it it just works. Worked. It just works. When yeah. Things work like they should. It sort of takes us by surprise. Isn't that like, isn't that sad? It, anyway, but. It worked. So huh. this has been this has been my ghost on this car. Hopefully, it's solved now. New tank, new fuel filter line, uh, and I also was aware of the fact that the fuel filter line—they've actually changed the part since the first six months of the car. Apparently, the new one does not corrode. We shall see, because you know, as we know, and you can that's get the new part you've got, right? They didn't. Let's like, hope so. Uh, but here's the thing about it. that that we all we all shook our heads about. You would think if you're putting in a new gas tank, I I would think uh, clearly I was being an idiot that the gas tank and the fuel filter line is kind of same the same part set. They they kind of like come as a unit. Clearly didn't. It was just the tank. Left the fuel filter line. Now that's fixed. Let's hope we're done with that. <laughs> oh, you want a bun exercise. and cheese for your hamburger? What the oh, heck is that about? Yeah, well, exactly. That's extra. So anyway. Sheesh. Car's back. It's running great. I do love it. It's very fun. I think next is probably going to be some sound deadening. I'm just, more than anything, I'm just curious to see what the sound yeah. deadening does. And I realized as I started to think in that headspace, I'm aware of how loud the car is outside the exhaust. Forget the exhaust. We're like, yeah, the exhaust is a little louder, whatever. But it's just, it's loud in there. And of course it is. That's, that's why the car is awesome. So I, you know, you I'm take excited that to put a little sound deadening phone. in. You know, just squirt that into a nook and cranny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> Just coming that's like, out that's every like the, or that's like the people to Walmart fix right there. I want to see that photo <laughs> online some point. Anyway, yeah, okay, we should move on. So the FRS, it is a great car. I'm very curious to do a few more things to it. We're going to do an open flash tablet as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, it actually can put fuel in it now. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm enjoying that. <laughs> well, thanks for the update. All right, everybody, on to the Volkswagen scandal, and this really specifically relates to the buybacks because the U.S. buybacks have been announced. The yep. budget has been announced, and kind of depending on what car you've got and how you're working it, they have been announced to you as well. And we've got a couple of people, as I said mm -hmm. before, JP, and we've also got Mark S. Uh, we'd like to start out with JP, who writes at the very top of his email. He's not sure if this is worthy of a car debate. Now, JP, it is because... Here we are. We put so much time and energy... Surprise! And I say we because of the collective we, the royal we. We all spend so much time and effort and energy and money on our cars and mm -hmm. wanting it to fit a specific situation, which yours is. So thanks for writing. It is very yeah. much worthy because this is going to be pretty informative. I think, as Todd and I say, we don't consult each other for our choices beforehand. I have only come up with one, well, two, but it's kind of the same car, okay. just to tease you with that. But listen yep. to JP's story here. It's because uh, he he and his wife purchased a 2015 Golf TDI SEL, so that's with the mm -hmm. DSG transmission, in August of 2015 as their primary family vehicle. So that means yeah. they researched, yeah. they finally felt mm -hmm. like when they mm -hmm. were throwing their money down, as did the rest of you, that this, they, they've made the right decision. Here's our car, yep. Five weeks later, 
Dieselgate hits. I mean, can you imagine how stupid yeah. you must have felt? I, I, oh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's just... I, I We get that. So this situation, and I'm guessing just about everybody else's, is very similar in terms of mm-hmm. we researched. We thought we were doing the right thing. That's what research yeah. is for. That's yeah. the reason we do it. All right, so they purchased this car, and... It was about the dynamics. It was about the clean diesel part of it. It was about the <laughs> fuel mileage. All these issues. The, yeah. the, of, of course, the reason everybody bought one of your cars, Volkswagen. And yeah. so I understand, yeah. TDIs. JP, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand that you are wanting to be done with Volkswagen. I don't blame you a bit. Mm-hmm. But the choice, the two, the one choice, two variations that I want to suggest to you are still within the Volkswagen family. Okay. And I just want to put it out there because you're kind of asking you know what else is there and what are we missing and i want to just put it out there as a thought if you want to get away and you're just done wiping your hands on a shop rag and we are done <laughs> and divorced, we're out. you're by goodbye. you're buying this i'm gonna try not to actually ignite it and light it on fire as i drive it into the parking lot <laughs> i'm done give me my check i will see you goodbye <laughs> yes i hear you i understand that mindset too i mean i trying to think what would i think if i had bought one of those cars i mean how would i be feeling right about now just yeah just suckered suckered yeah and and volkswagen would be paying you as fast as possible you would be you would be parked in their lot <laughs> i i know you you would be parked yeah. in their lot you would be the first check written in wolfsburg <laughs> i'd be parked in their lot in wolfsburg germany <laughs> You would be. You would ship the car to Germany and drive it to the headquarters and be like, Hi, Ding here's dong. me. I'd like a check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So um, a bit of history here. Uh, JP's wife, uh, their mom, uh, his mom lives lives with them, and mm-hmm. he has a 13-year-old son. So he needs something versatile, of course, for the family situation, fun to drive, yep. good gas mileage. Something that does something to contribute towards, you know, less pollution, understand that, help the environment. And here it is that before this TDI, they had a 2008 Mini Clubman, Mm -hmm. which they said was great right up until about 50,000 miles. uh, Which is when that (laughs) all-inclusive warranty just happens to run out. Hmm, I wonder if somebody actually (laughs) thought about that. That's interesting. Yeah, okay, go on. (laughs) So... They're looking for this size because, and that's yeah. why I said yeah, yeah. Uh, earlier, it just seemed like your family is a little bit of sort of European requirements. You've got to have, mm-hmm. you know, still people, but a smaller form factor. And four doors, hatchback, little. That's what they Fun like for sure. That's what they absolutely, yeah. I love that you suggested the Prius with a. <laughs> well, yeah. He, I mean, he he acknowledges the elephant in the room. He goes in many ways. A Prius is right for us, and then he he almost kind of has to wash his mouth out, having even typed it. But you know, I what mean, do you wash thing. your mouth out with when you think of a Prius? What I, I don't is it, I don't is know. It candy? I is don't, it soap? I, is it, I don't know. I do you don't reward know. yourself or do you <laughs> big swig of gasoline? What happens there? Frightening. Yeah. Anyway, shot of gasoline for everybody. <laughs> exactly. So he he's got to have he's got to have the four door. Uh, four seats and uh, doesn't like crossovers SUVs. So I mean, you are staying. I, I hate to say this, you're staying much more European in your kind of interests here, your mm-hmm. proclivities, if you will, hey, are much more nice. European. So, but you did like the d- driving dynamics of that Golf, and that's the thing. Back when we drove the TDI, we've driven pretty much every variation of the Golf. 
those driving dynamics are kind of undeniable, and they are good use of space. I mean, the whole TDI thing is really sad because outside of that engine debacle, they do make great cars. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah. you, you have created yourself a problem here. I mean, you have you. I'll, I will acknowledge. Right here, JP, you have pretty much listed every car that could meet your needs. You, you haven't. <laughs> we're not going to come up with one that I don't think you've ever thought of because you're close. I have two I want to speak to, uh, both of which you've kind of mentioned in passing, but I'm very curious what your selection is, Paul. Well, yeah, JP, you suggested the Volt. And I thought that's what I was thinking. When I was reading through your email, I thought, Volt, 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 Volt. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you suggested it, but then I thought, okay, yeah. long term, because JP and his family are buying, they're not leasing here. So they want to keep it for a while, which means, huh, all right, they liked that golf. And I think you probably got used to the good build construction and good quality and nice interior materials sure, of sure. that golf. And I think Volt is okay, but once you get golfed, you're never going to get vaulted or I don't know, something like that. Wow. Leave that. Just just walk away. Keep walking. It's okay. It's like that on. explosion behind you when you don't pay attention. Just just keep keep going. It's, it's fine. It's fine. What have I done? All right. Moving on. Uh, you've suggested, yeah, the Lexus, the Prius. Um, here's why I'm going to say stick with Volkswagen as a company. Because okay. they build great products. They just cheated. And they got caught. <laughs> That doesn't yeah, okay. mean they were All doing right. shoddy work. So keep that in mind. They weren't doing, you know, they weren't putting out bad cars or bad work over here. They're well engineered from a crash test on down. Yeah. They feel good yeah, the yeah, materials, yeah. all that stuff. And so not that I'm wanting you to give them a second chance. And that's why I say twist your head to the right a little bit and go over here to Audi. Hey, look, I Audi. I had a feeling. Yep. I had a feeling you were going there. Yeah, okay. Keep so going. So I thought, keep going. huh, A3 Sportback. Those are interesting. Mm. Those fit yeah. the bill. You like the hatchback thing, four doors, fits people yeah. and luggage. It's got that very, you know, smaller European feel, which I like. And then I thought about this e-tron, this A3 Sportback e-tron. Hmm. So this was brought to the U.S., I believe, in 14 as a 2015 model. It is a okay. plug-in hybrid with the same powertrain used in the Golf GTE and Passat GTE. Okay. So that means you've got a gasoline engine coupled with an electric motor, which is built into the six-speed, wait for it, dual-clutch transmission. So that was another requirement ah. that you wanted. Mm-hmm. So it's got range. You've got some environmental capabilities mixed in there. Sure. And you've got the form factor and somewhat fun-to-drive factor of this A3. Okay. Now... I see how you got there. I will admit they're expensive, as is any hybrid technology or electric cars right now. By the way, Mm -hmm. complete side note, are you aware, Uh and by you, I mean everybody, did you know that the Kia makes the Soul as an all-electric vehicle? I was not aware of this. Well, yeah, all electric and turbo are both coming this year, so you can get your soul in any flavor. That's that's yeah. kind of how they're all, yep. Exactly. They're, they're putting exactly. zero marketing into the soul, apparently, because it costs them so much to make it, and they need to offer it, but they're kind of of the same mind, mindset as the Fiat uh, 500e, like, please don't buy it. We make it, but please just move on. <laughs> it's really expensive to make, and we lose money, so just go run along. Anyway. Yeah, that's funny. So back to this A3. You can get an A3 for twenty grand. Easy. Done. Yeah. Yeah. gasoline engine, it's still going to meet all those requirements. It's not going to be the same as the diesel in terms of mileage. But 
it's still well built and it's now an Audi. You've gone up a little mm -hmm. bit in luxury. You've gone, you know, space wise, you're still there. It's still going to check all those boxes. And the best part about it is that I think it looks the best out of any that we've named here Volt, Prius, Mazda 3, blah. Mm -hmm. Still looks the best. But then this e-tron well, e has really intrigued me. And the 2016 e-tron is 37,000 to start. Yikes. So what about a finding a 2015 and going into your dealer and grinding them into the earth and saying, <laughs> yes, you're going to take There's this car for Saturday. Me. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. You're going to take this car, but get me an e-tron, get me a slightly used e-tron and make it so I don't have to pay anything and get me into this car. Mm, if you want to, interesting. If you want me to stay in the family and stay as a customer, how badly do you want my business? If they don't, they yeah. don't. Goodbye. Thank yeah. you. Give me my check. Bye-bye. But it could be an opportunity to say, look, I'm a customer. I could be a repeat customer for years. I could yeah, now maybe. be, you know, graduating into the Audi family for all the future Audis. You know, do you want to work with me? Can you work with me? Would you like to help me get into this? Because the e-tron might be the next best thing to fit these specific requirements for your family. So. Hmm. A thought, a thought to consider. Okay. You are also more than welcome to say, Paul, you're nuts. Too much money. That's completely okay. And that's why I said we're here to blow up your bank account, too. But Of course we are. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Audi's July 4th, cool. all about overeating and explosions. Yep. Uh, well, interesting. I, I, you have gone somewhere I never expected and, and hadn't thought about, but I, I don't think you're in the weeds. It's, it's, we've got a price question, but at the same time, yeah, there's, a, maybe just, there's an argument to maybe be made. Just one weed. I see that. Maybe just a single weed over here. Just okay, you're you're into the weed. Wow, that's a different conversation. Like a very different podcast. <laughs> no, I'm uh, not but, into the weed. But no. uh, so yeah, so JP, um, <laughs> you mentioned two in passing, and I want to come back to them because I think one of them is your match. One is the Chevy Volt. The current one is interesting. We have not driven it. We like the prior one, but the current one is interesting because it's not uh, advertising that it's a Volt as much as it used to. They've integrated that very iPad. Uh, for, actually, that's not right. The, the center console of the original Chevy Volt, especially in white, looked like it was designed by the same people that did the first-gen iPod, like the very first-gen touch-wheel iPod. So that was much better in black than in white, because in white it was very, look at me, I'm electric. But uh, the, the new Volt has, has calmed that down a lot and is actually it's a good-looking car, and it's a subtle-looking car, but yet it has that technology in it and improved, and I guarantee you that technology is better than you think it is, and those cars drive better than you expect them to. That doesn't mean it's a golf. I'm not going to suggest that it is, but I think it is a really strong candidate for you. The the first gen uh, Volt you could definitely get in your price point. The second gen Volt you may not be able to. I do think it's a nice refinement. I would tell you first gen all day long. I don't have a problem with it. I actually think it's a great car if you get that black center console. Uh, you do only have four seats there because of the T-shaped battery pack. There is a uh, battery pack running down the middle between the two rear seats. But it drives better than anyone thinks until they drive one and go, wow, I didn't think about that. I do think that the Mazda 3 comes closest to matching your Golf. It will not sure. have the same gas mileage. But here's the thing. It's getting low 30s to high 30s. It's not like you're way off, okay? I mean, so there's even people talking about getting like 40, 42 out of that, uh, out of that Mazda 3. I mean, that's starting to get within real distance, close to that TDI, and it's their Sky Active just good old-fashioned gasoline. They did an awfully good job, and that Mazda 3 is good to drive. If you spec it out well, it has a much better interior than you even think. 
I think you've got to drive the Mazda 3. I think one of those two is your car. You mentioned them in passing, but I think that's your top two list. Hmm. Hmm. Good. Yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, I don't know that we're missing some really extreme outlier past these cars, to be honest. No, I don't think so. I mean, look, the Honda, Fit is, is a can- the Honda Fit's a candidate, but it's not going to be as dynamic. Right, the, right. The, the Fiat 500 Abarth is interesting, but I don't think it's really the usable, all-purpose car you want. I mean, it's it's much more gimmicky than some of these other cars we're talking about. And I like it. I, I think it's fun. Um, you know, the Fiesta ST is a major step down. It's a step up in dynamics, but it's a major step down in interior materials. You know, you could go oh, with the yeah, focuses of yeah. the world, but you're not going to feel interior-wise like you're in something as nice as the Golf was, whereas the Mazda 3 does that. I mean, I think those two rise to the top because of their interests. Foci, Lexi, you know, focuses of the world. Foci. Yes, there you go. There you go. Right? No. Sure, why not? <laughs> Should we move on? Uh, Mark's got a, got another Volkswagen-related uh, buyback issue. I could have uh, taken I'm run desperately with that. trying to really move us forward. Have. No, that's okay. It's okay. It's all right. There's fireworks coming. We got to we got to close this down. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but he's got another one of this Volkswagen buyback, and he has another TDI. Yes, yeah, same story. His is a 2011 though, so he's got a sport wagon, and um, he actually likes the diesel low-end grunt. He, he actually kind of was thinking about keeping the car, except for the fact he could make more money by selling it. And he went, well, at that point, if you're going to buy it back for more than it's worth, <laughs> ding, 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 you ding, can ding. have my car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> funny, funny. No, uh, yeah, I, I liked your story here because um, the professional stood out to me, uh, Mark. Oh, and the fact yeah, that's that funny, yes. You're looking for something new, preferring new, but considering the lightly used certified pre-owned, mm-hmm, something like mm-hmm. that, which I like. I like that you listed all the past cars uh, as well. You're a longtime Volkswagen owner as mm-hmm. well. And I'm actually thinking about getting you out of Volkswagen because you can get the money. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I am uh, I'm definitely telling you to take the money and run. And it. interestingly, sometimes it takes me a while to come up with the answer. Other times it just, you know, I just got it. And I think you this got time struck, I didn't you? Okay. I think all I right. do. Well, Mark's got thirty to thirty-five k to spend post buy buyback, which is a good amount of budget. And you're looking for something you you want to feel like it's fun to drive. And you, as Paul already said, it needs to be professional looking. It can't be like a boy racer thing. You've got to look like a grown up driving this car. Um, and and you also acknowledge again, we just talked about the Mazda three. This car keeps coming up. Uh, no kids, no dogs in your life, but your your significant other has a Mazda three. So. Okay, you have that car covered. <laughs> Mazda 3 hatchback, We've which got... <laughs> makes your world a lot easier to run around to get something else. So, uh, yeah, where'd you go, Paul? What struck you? That that word, the professional word that struck that stuck okay. out. And I okay. went back uh, a few years ago when you and I did a trio of cars, A3, All Honda right. Accord Coupe, and the Mercedes CLA. And I thought, hmm. okay. You've got 30 to 35k. Welcome to hmm. Mercedes-Benz. And I believe you are the perfect candidate to go become a customer of Mercedes and maybe even work up from there. Interesting. Okay. This CLA has a seven-speed dual-clutch transmission. It's got a two-liter turbo engine. It's got Mm -hmm. space inside. And the biggest thing I came away with was feeling like I I wasn't driving the entry-level car. I was still driving a Mercedes-Benz. It still had that feel to me. Even Mm. though... From a price standpoint, from a size standpoint, it's not the big cars, but that was okay, yeah, it's not. and that's why I liked it. And I thought, huh, it's still fun, sporty, fits the needs, it's four-door, 
I really like the styling on this. I'm I'm a fan. And I'll bet you you could walk in and find yourself a CLA in that price range, 30, 35, come out with a brand new car and be mm-hmm. really, really happy. I thought, yeah, the, the way you could change the dynamics from, you know, to sport, sharpen things up, crispen up the throttle response. And that was a fast car. It really was. And get it in the right color, say black. That's pretty classy looking at this point. Mm-hmm. And that just... Can be. It still says uh, it, it kind of says like you're you're spending your money wisely. You wanted to you know get into something, and uh, you know more luxurious, but it still didn't cost you an arm and a leg. So it's right at mm-hmm. that tipping point until we just dive way deep into luxury cars that <laughs> cost a lot of money for no reason. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Well, I mean, for for a reason, but buy for them reason, after the depreciation. There's a reason they cost that much. Well, there Just is. There is. Don't be the first owner. Be <laughs> exactly. the second owner. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean. It it still is yeah, that, I do. I totally that do. nice tipping point. The engine was strong, even though the numbers suggest that it wouldn't be. But that acceleration and the throttle response is strong. I was impressed by that car. Yeah. You know, I I have to back you up on a couple things, and then I want to jump off of that because you've given me an alternate idea actually cool. thinking about that cool. the uh, the CLA was the Mercedes that I got into I will acknowledge I got into it going alright I'm a little worried I don't, I, I, how, <laughs> yawn how, can this, is this going to be good <laughs> am I going to just hate this car and it genuinely surprised me so I, I do have to acknowledge that about the CLA that is very true however you know it dawns on me if the CLA is a little small and not your, your flavor you can still get a used C300 I'm talking about the current model the good new body style you get a used one of those for your budget. Now it's going to have you know probably fifteen twenty thousand miles on it, True. but you do have options for thirty thirty five. If that you wanted to go size. a little bigger, yeah, mm. you could you could step up a bit. You're not going to get the big boy you know tons of power AMG anything, but you could get one in that world. So that is an option. I mean, you could get you know maybe I mean looking at it here, you could even get some of the formatics or the sports. I mean, there's options for C three hundreds. At your price point of thirty-five, so definitely look used. If the Mercedes thing strikes you, but the CLA isn't working for you, don't feel like you have to leave the brand. You could stay pretty new and still get something cool. That's a good thought. I hadn't gone Mercedes, but I like that. I have. It struck me. I just yeah, yeah I see that. No, I see that. And and I, I agree. The professional looking part of this, but still wanting it to be dynamic. And he doesn't need a wagon. That's the thing. Since the right. Mazda three in right. his life, and they love it, and it does the wagon thing. It does all the wagon utility stuff. Okay, that means professional looking. He wants to be able to enjoy driving it, but also be able to take possible road trips on it. So I started yep. going, okay, yep. I'm building a, a format here. I see where we're going. I have three. Oh, wow. One is, wow. what about a Mini Cooper? Now, buy new and dump it before 50,000 miles. <laughs> clearly. We're, we're, I, I, I mean, clearly. But, but, <laughs> but seriously, what about Here's a Mini Cooper? Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah, JP could tell you. But but that's the thing. I, I, Mini Coopers are interesting. It may not be for you, and it may not be professional enough, depending upon your standards on that. But I think that's an option. But my two better favorites than that are, you can get yourself, if you shop right, a new or almost new 2 Series, BMW 228i. Sure. Good thinking. And you would you would like that car. Dynamics on that car, excellent. But you could just hop in it and drive cross-country and you'd be perfectly happy. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I started thinking driving cross country, that gave me my other thought, which is buy yourself a used Audi A5, or if you can, S5. Ooh. Because all day long with your budget. Buy a used one of those, enjoy it. Those are great cars. Uh, it does the professional thing. They're decent to drive. It's not as dynamic as that 228i. It just isn't. And, of course, the Mini's much more chuckable. But it is a fantastic Grand Tour, you know, cruiser car. And at the same time, anything you do in kind of normal 
commute driving, that car would be amazing. It'd be great. It'd feel good on an on-ramp. All that kind of normal driving, A5 or S5 would be great. Those Absolutely. are my, my top ones for you, Mark, for sure. I like that. Not that I forgot about the 2 Series, but I forgot about the 2 Series. Yeah, it happens. Hey, well, but I mean, come on. That, that's the thing about it is there's all these cars rolling around in our heads at all times. And it's interesting to see when you when somebody writes in what strikes us about it. Mm-hmm. But I had, yeah. I had to bring up that, too, because I thought, you know what? There's a genuine option here that you could really have a car that you could just drive and drive it normally and calm. And it's a perfectly good commuter. But at the same time, that car on a track was great. It was yeah. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so just the 228 I, was just yeah. so surprising. So much fun. Yeah. That so good ZF eight-speed engine and everything, and it's it's very cool. So yeah, uh, I also want to applaud all of you listening. Uh, it, I, in fact, if you wouldn't mind, while we're talking about all of you listening, we would love for you to rate the podcast where you're listening: uh, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, iTunes. It's keeping us up in the top five, which is awesome, and it's growing really well because you guys are sharing and rating, and that's wonderful. So please keep doing that. I'm also applauding you because when we ask for Facebook questions, you take us seriously. Uh, here it is on a holiday, uh, July 4th, in the uh, middle of the afternoon. Yeah. We posted not long before we recorded and already had more than we could ever handle by the time we turned the mics on. But I picked three. I didn't know if you had any others, though, Paul. I've got uh, about three, somewhere in there. Great okay. questions. I will also say if we don't get to things, feel free to repost and you know, yep. keep hitting us with questions. We agreed, like that, agreed. and uh, sometimes mm-hmm. we don't have enough time to go into as much detail as we like, so we might pick other you know, other questions that are just more of a snack, if you know what I mean? Just a yeah. quick... <laughs> well done. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> quick, I agree. Quick hits. Uh, so yeah. speaking of which, I want to talk to Adam. Adam Metzger writes about carbon ceramic brakes, asking, mm-hmm. are these too much for street cars like the Corvette GS? If you're not a track junkie and you're not taking this to the track all the time, is it a status symbol or are they worth getting? Mm, and great question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is uh, that is fair, yeah. Adam. That is fair. Mm-hmm. They are. I, I understand why you wrote the question because of the cost. It's not a thousand dollars more, or just a few hundred. In most cases, they're seven or ten thousand yeah, dollars more. Yeah, they're much more expensive generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see carbon ceramics, and you think, "Wow, you pop for the the carbons." All right, good to go. Yeah. You know, um, yes, the stopping power is pretty up there it's it's pretty shocking oh, huge it, <laughs> it is it's amazing it's amazing it's something yeah. else but i just want to put this little thing in your ear and that is generally speaking carbon ceramic brakes last the life of the car mm-hmm. so just wanted you to know that it's not true of all cars it's not across the board but generally speaking they're going to last the life of the vehicle so think about that is that worth it to you and are you going to be doing sure. some track work so therefore if that's the case and you just want that that upgrade, and you know maybe the first owner, you're the second owner, and they pop for it. Great, awesome. Well, you've actually stumbled into the big comment I was going to make, and that is, I think if you're not going to track your car, the only reason to get them is resale value. Oh, true. Because true. Porsches that sell with the carbon ceramics, for example, sell for much more than those without, and it's one of those random features that loses less in depreciation than the features around it. And it's always interesting to me, those cars that carbon ceramics, there's guys that are seeking out the used cars with carbon ceramics, and that you can get more for it just having that feature, especially in the Porsche world, but also in general. And honestly, I would say that's the only reason to get it Mm. if you don't track. Hmm. But honest, but on the other end of the spectrum, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one car that blows ceramics out of the water, and that is hello, the new Mustang GT350. 
Yeah. Unbelievable haul the world down brakes. <laughs> and they're just normal brakes. They're just yeah. steel. Yeah. Hey, welcome to just normal braking. And they're fantastic. So is there a neat? And I would track that GT350 and never blink. Those oh, brakes heck were great. Yeah. Heck yeah. So it's not a requirement by any means. I do think in many cases it's great for resale. And if you are going to track a lot, then yeah, there's there's some longevity there that would be amazing. And just good to have, you know, for consistent braking use. But outside of that, it's almost a bragging right resale value thing, I feel like. It reminded me that uh, when we were talking to the Ferrari dealer in Salt Lake a few years back, and they're just instructing on, on us, instructing us why they would, you know, help customers spec out a car specifically uh-huh. because uh-huh. they know that car would come back in the showroom and they want mm-hmm. to sell a car spec this way. So they'll mm-hmm. help you spec your new Ferrari or Porsche same way. Well, Exactly. They can the they can eye. tell by knowing the market what what's going to resell for better. And for guys that are going to have a car for a year or two and sell it, that makes sense. If you're going to have a car for 10 years, then who cares? Right. But if you right. have a car for a year or two, which a lot of those those buyers, they care about how, how much am I going to get back out of it so I can move on to whatever else. So, yeah, yeah. it matters. Yeah. Funny. All right. What else was on your list? You had three. Uh, I have three. Uh, one guy, uh, AJ Gall, asked us, have you ever had a car lose a tranny or an engine? He's just curious. Uh, I've never had an engine, uh, never lost an engine, thankfully. Never had the pistons come up through the, the hood and ask me what the heck I think I'm doing. <laughs> that hasn't happened to me. <laughs> However, I have lost two different transmissions, one on an automatic, one on a stick. Uh, both were on SUVs that had a lot of miles on them. And both happened in traffic, which is awfully fun. Uh, because depending upon what gear it's in when it happens, there is an interesting limping going on. Uh, I had the world's most awkward jumping start on a first-gen Ford Explorer with the five-speed. And uh, I I realized when I came to a stop, put the clutch in, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> just Everything has just officially died, all bad. So I, I, forced, I forced it into second. And had literally, it looked like a, a bucking bronco coming out of the out of the light, and limped it home because I was like six blocks from home, of course. Wow! But still yeah. in traffic, still yeah. in stoplights. So thank God I got lucky on stop signs and stop. I, I, if memory serves, I even took kind of an alternate route where I could just kind of stay away from actual stoplights. Uh, limped it home, and then had to get a full transmission for that. And we had a. Uh, GMC Yukon that eventually oh, ran about right. 240,000 miles, but we lost our first transmission at 130 or so. Uh, you know, good old Chevy Automatic, and it grenaded itself after a long life. We got a new transmission, and it ran for 100,000 miles. So, you know, just it's that's one of those things eventually that wears out. I will give you my transmission work joke, though, and that is... <laughs> it does require the same amount of labor to go in and see how your transmission's doing as it does to fix it. So unless you're, I mean, really, seriously. So <laughs> huh, you know, what's in I'm, here? I'm, yep, everything's fine. Eight hundred dollars, exactly. please. Here's your bill. So yeah. you know, it, 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 that is one way. And I'm not saying just ignore your transmission. I am saying do fluids and that kind of thing. And obviously, fluids and filters those can show you metal in them and show you that the transmission's not doing well. But I've had people ask me before, how do I know if my transmission's good? Well, if it's working. It's good. You don't want to spend the money to have somebody go in and go, yep, looks great in here, because that's a lot of labor. Anyway, yeah. Are you driving forward and looking in your rearview mirror? If you don't see any spare parts left on the road, you're good. <laughs> Keep driving. Yeah. No. <laughs> but but transmission fluid is one of those forgotten items, though. And oh, it is yeah. amazing how long cars run with the same original. Yeah, from the factory transmission fluid. Uh-oh. Figure out what the, what the actual change-out uh, mileage is on that fluid, and don't ignore that one, because that absolutely does matter. Gosh, don't think I've ever had a engine or tranny go out on me. It's been close, especially with that 77 Jeep Cherokee that I had, but 
Nothing mm. ever happened. We got rid of it yeah. for 500 bucks. <laughs> you got rid of it. Transmission's about to go. Have a nice day. <laughs> Have See a ya. nice day. Bye-bye. Dinner's on us, and we're gone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, I don't think that's ever happened. Hope it never does, but you know, it could, it could. Um, who knows? What else did you have? All right. Well, Casey Cook asks if we've ever tried to shoot a bottle rocket from a car while driving. <laughs> Casey, of course not. I've never yeah, shot a bottle, bottle rocket. No. Shot a Roman no. candle from a car, but not a bottle totally rocket. Different. I mean, come Completely different. Completely different. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that was my uh, crazy high school days when I was on the swim team and. When you're not working out and you're just uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of time on your hands, yeah. Anyway, a lot of well, stories the, there with the Jeep. Unfortunately, July Fourth is that holiday where, it, <laughs> unlike New Year's, where you're awfully cold in much of the U.S. and so you're not thinking quite as insanely. July Fourth is that is that crazy thing. I, I don't care where what part of the country you live in or who your friends are. You have a friend or friends, or if you don't, you are that friend who has stories <laughs> right. about these are the things I fired a Roman candle either from or at. Or these are the things I fired a bottle rocket from. And so I was never that friend. I have those friends. And, yes, there's a long list of, of things we have launched it from or the people that have played. Don't do this, by the way. People that have played tag with Roman candles. You know, it's like they turn them into oh, little guns yeah. and now we're playing tag. That's, that, that's not going to end well. I'm just saying. So, yeah, all bad. <laughs> I had a friend whose dad had a lot of geese on his lawn and he would hold a bottle rocket by the very end in his hand and just let it go right over their heads. <laughs> Worked like a charm. It's great, but it's like, okay, you do that. I'm going to watch. Dummy. Yeah, exactly. We'll be in here. Have a nice day. Okay. Yes. Uh, Donald Smith asked, does Todd only wear red shirts? Um, <laughs> red shirts, red pants, you know, we, red neckerchiefs. We took, exactly. we, took a, we took that multi-day trip on the pilgrimage through Germany, and the running joke actually in the car was that here it was, this multi-day journey, and yet it looks like Paul and I never changed clothes. We actually have multiple <laughs> versions of our what we call our show uniform. But here's, here's the grand irony. I don't wear much red unless it's for the show. However, funny, I yeah. have, as far as, as far as my upper body is concerned, I have every layer you can imagine in almost matching red. Since we've been doing the show, I have bought like, okay, here's the t-shirt layer. Here's the slightly uh, warmer, longer shirt layer. Here's the actual thermal layer. Here's the actual light jacket. Oh, look, I have a heavy jacket. All in red. So that I, whatever's happening, I can actually look like I'm in uniform. And, and the, the grand ridiculousness of this, uh, Donald, is the fact that I don't wear that much red otherwise. But I have it in droves for the show. <laughs> it's so funny. And I have a red ski jacket, by the way. When I bought that the jacket, true. they didn't make that it in true. blue, and I just bought the red one. And we should switch shirts sometimes. Just people say, wait, Paul, and what? Who? I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't I don't. know. Yeah. That would really... people's, people's brains might explode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> True. But, but, I have, but I have joked about, you know, what people are telling me to cut my hair. So if, the, problem, the other problem with me cutting my hair is if I cut my hair, I'd have to become the fat one. Because you have to have some <laughs> identifying mark where you could easily tell which one's which. So right now I'm the one with the weird hair. If I didn't have the weird hair, I'd have to be the fat one. And I'd rather not be the fat one. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Here, eat this ice cream sundae. <laughs> exactly. Oh, look, Todd's at the car eating again. I have to be anyway, that guy? Yeah. Why? I have one more uh, thought, but I didn't know if you had another question before I jump into that one. Well, last one for me is from Kyle Martin. Is Paul planning to modify the Porsche? Mm. <clears throat> well, I have thought <laughs> that if any Porsche tuners would like to throw parts or actually pack them up nicely hint, and send hint, them hint. in the mail, send them by UPS or FedEx to me, I just might will, consider it. You will send your address. <laughs> Here's my address. <laughs> but I I uh, actually was flipping through Panorama Magazine, which is the Porsche Club of America Bad news. <clears throat> magazine. Bad news. 
came across this ad from Cobb Tuning. We all know Cobb. We like Cobb. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah, yeah. know they made a tune, ECS tune, for the Cayman GTS. And I thought, well, huh, what do you know? Maybe because to... when you climb in your Cayman GTS, the first thought of my mind is, yeah, this needs more power. No, wait, I've <laughs> never thought, thought that. Slow. That's, that's, that's never happened. Dragon. But okay. We do have your first long-term ownership video coming up soon, followed by GTS versus M2, which I'm so excited about that film. Yeah, we do. But we yeah, do. you don't get in your car and go, this needs something. That's not <laughs> That's not what happens. So maybe. Maybe is the big question. We'll see. I'm, I'm noticing things, and uh, yeah, now that I've got yeah, the yeah. car, it's kind of interesting. It's still got loads of warranty right now, and I'm inclined to just kind of keep that intact. As you probably should. As you probably should. Yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, if, uh, if and when, maybe in the future. But uh, thanks mm-hmm. for asking. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, I have the question uh, from our friend Nate up in Chicago. I have the question that feels like the perfect July 4th uh, recording podcast to end on. He said, okay, guys, what's the most America car past and present? What's your, you know, flags hanging on the bumpers? This couldn't be more America if it tried car uh, past and present. And uh, and I I do have one for each of these. Hmm. Um, and I have a middle one, too. I, I, I feel like I've got a... Uh, a, a genesis and, an, and a revelation, but one in the middle that is the that is the kind of whatever. I, I don't know what the middle of the Bible is. Clearly, that, that analogy died. Anyway, uh, but, <laughs> but the point is, the point is, the original one that I have to say is the original GTO. Because oh. that is just American cars personified. Because it informed so much of what American cars, let's be honest, by the 80s and 90s we were getting teased for. Huge engines in a big, poor handling monster sedan and and then of course you know get into the late 70s and the 80s and they're they're changing the style of it but it's ultimately a big engine we're not worried about does it turn we're worried about it dragging from the lights the gto pioneers that and changes an industry and the original gtos they don't really look like much they're total sleeper cars and so i have to say my past one is that my other one from the past because it is so a car of its time is the flaming chicken uh trans am Oh, the Burt Reynolds Flaming Chicken. Smoking the it's bandit, not a, baby. Exactly. It's not a fast car, but that is so America car in the 1980s. I, it can barely stand itself. Um, and then I think current one, I have to go with the Hellcat probably Charger over Challenger because I think it's the GTO again. It's wow. this big this big American sedan, and you just think big American sedan. There's a bomb under the hood. <laughs> there's there's just why is there's this this powerful? Bomb. Seriously, why is this this powerful and I'm hauling my family around, you know? So I that those are my three. Holy moly, good ones. I like the I like the fire chicken. That car is just uh kid yeah, I knew in high school just, had one. He had a And it's it's so it's so ridiculous. Oh. I'm sorry. It's so completely ridiculous as a car, and yet it's so very America. Oh, this guy had that aftermarket alarm systems that everybody had, you know. Oh god! And so after I swim practice, we'd walk out. Ever. We'd just pound on his windshield and set the alarm off. Like, see you, Brent. Ah, uh, high school. Ah, uh, high school. Yep, there it is. Perfect. Uh, all right, Nate. Uh, I'm waffling between two for the past, and that is the '59 Cadillac DeVille. This is the okay. peak of the fins, the peak of post-war yeah. optimism in America. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I see that. That car makes all the other flamboyant cars from every other manufacturer of that era look staid. The BMW mm. 507, the Ferraris of the 60s. Then you've yeah. got fins that are as tall as your <laughs> chest. What? What is I this? See that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just, right. just the optimism that America, as you know, just going that direction that we could do this, and mm. then for other reasons, the Chevy Corvair, just because of all the craziness and controversy that car spawned, hmm. that car stuck in my mind as okay, pretty American concept, just as a you know different rear engined, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. then with all the Ralph Nader stuff and all this, you know, just yeah, it's an icon in that regard. Yeah, very much an I icon. See that. I see that, yeah. And then for the present, I'm with you. It's the Hellcat Charger. I cannot think yeah. of anything that's going to say just a tiny bit better. There's others, but it's yeah. the Hellcat. I, I yeah. say it's the Charger, too. I, that is cool. That is just a monster. So if you haven't driven a Hellcat, guess what you're doing this week? <laughs> We're now social planners? That's a terrible, terrible idea. That, that's, a, that's a fantastically that awful idea. Once again, no, I didn't, didn't think that through very much until okay, I said so that. Okay, let's, so uh, let's Dang pull the, the eject cord on this and, uh, and call that a podcast. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We encourage you to rate. Thank you so much for your ratings. There will be a video this week. We're actually going to do uh, episode number four of our long term on our V6 base Cayenne that my wife drives. We're going to cover that. that. That video is coming. And uh, we're trying to do a video every Thursday. We're doing everything we can. And we are doing two podcasts a week. So hang on. There'll be another one this Friday. Thanks for your support, guys. EverydayDriver.com. On the Adventures tab, go find the pilgrimage adventure that we are hosting. We want you to go with us. And Chicago Track Day. Check it out. We want you with us. Anyway, thanks again. Look forward to talking to you soon.